Hello, witches, and welcome to the House of Odd this evening. Coffee's over there. I almost had to wing it. The universe hid my script from me. I spent quite a bit of time looking for it in distress. I probably should have at that point in time. Just flew by the seat of my pants on that one, but... (laughs) Nope. Okay. So, here we are. It is cloudy and the sun is starting to touch the western part of the sky and make it all sorts of pretty colors out here in the desert. It is soon to also be darkening at its deepest over here. It is not yet at its coldest, but it will be. And all winter long, I will probably bitch about it. All winter is cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you wait. It'll happen. Well, not that I get out much, but the whole stay inside and warm thing kicks off winter magic sort of modes for me. This is a great time of year to get really, really connected and work deeper with your familiars. Now, yes, actually, yeah, we're going to talk about familiars tonight, what they are, what they are not, um, some, you know, classic talk about what a familiar is, um, a little bit about some of my experiences with my own familiars. Um, there are some really, really great resources out there. One of them is literally called Familiars in Witchcraft by Maja Doust. Um, there is also, what is the name of that book? Where is it? Um, holy crow. The name just flew out of my head and I was hoping that my book was lying around so I could be reminded, but it's not. Um, but that... I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll put it in notes, I promise. Anyway, so yes, welcome to Odd Random Madness. This is happening all the time over here. This is kind of what happens. So familiars we'll be talking about in this episode will be brought to you by Serpentine and the number eight. Like all the eights. Eights. All the cards. Yes. All the eights. The eight part of it. Not, not like all the just the eight parts of it and and you'll see why it's kind of fun so again welcome to odd random madness has happened here so make sure you've got your coffee in hand and your seat firmly taken because here we go ha i found the book It is entitled A Deed Without Name by Lee Morgan. In this particular book, um, it touches on, you know, aspects of familiars. Um, So that might be a really good read if you're looking to go ahead and read on familiars after after hearing this podcast. Um, I also have a recommendation for, again, Familiars in Witchcraft by Maja Daust. Very, very, very good reads. Makes me feel like a dodo. Um, (laughs) But, you know, they do say surround yourself with people who are, like, much smarter than you. And wow. Okay. So, 
as witches, we've all had our experiences with helper spirits, you know, whether they're totems, whether they're um, spirit guides, the fairies themselves, divinity, that, that sort of thing. What differs these particular beings from <clears throat> familiars from my experience is that these divinities, for, for example, Hecate, she, um, she is a busy goddess. She's literally everywhere all the time, but she does hand out familiars to those in need, if you ask, or sometimes if you don't ask. It's kind of like Siamese, Siamese if you please, Siamese if you're not pleased. Um, but that's that's kind of how that works. Um, another example in my experience is one of my um, fairy companions, an elemental. Um, I have a, I, it's, I, I don't know, it's not quite a, it's a familiar, all right? Just, it's a familiar being, but it's definitely its own being. All right. And it is definitely commanded in the name of my companion's name and myself. Right. That's how that works. Um, so familiars often come with, as I mentioned before, a name of compulsion. You know, you're holding the reins and this divine being or, or infernal if you're goetic um, being gave you the reins to this being. So you're holding the reins to this being in the name of whoever has issued and yourself, of course, because you're holding the reins to let the dog run off with you. It's horrible, terrible things happen anyway. So that is really where I personally separate the idea of companion and guide and spirit and totem from familiar. Now, familiars, they have multitudes of forms. And the most popular one to think about is the witch's black cat or spider or pig or dog or snake, whatever it is, right? You get the picture. Horse. I've seen that. Um, but the idea with that animal being associated or being the familiar, um, I don't know how I feel about that. I, I think I feel more that this be this this cat, this animal in specific, has a propensity to hear the familiars calling and pulling and guide you in the right direction. Right. The, the animals more like a, you know, a guide for things maybe that we're not able to perceive, but they can. That's how I sort of see the familiars that are inhabited by another spirit. They're, they're like they walk hand in hand together and help you. Um, now, of course, you know, there, there's like this whole ranging gamut of other kinds of familiars, some of which um, I think a lot of people have been taught are necessarily and inherently bad. For example, incubus and succubus, 
All right. Now, do you have to be in specific kinds of condition in order to keep up the, the exchange between you two? Yes. There's a lot of energetic work that goes and gets passed between you in that kind of uh, manner, but it doesn't separate them from the idea that they might be familiars. Right now, another example of a familiar would be a, a literally a family spirit, um, not not like an ancestor, but a being that all of your ancestors were able to go ahead and tap into. For example, there are certain Irish and Scottish clans that literally have the the whole fairies the trooping fairies behind them. So you know the fairy stone, the fairy flag. Um, the whole nine yards. I, I can't remember the top of my head what their names are. I'm so sorry, but I know they are there. And those of you who know those names out there are probably jumping up and down in your seat. Huzzah! Oh yeah, I've been watching Catherine the Great. I promise I will throw no, gla no, no glasses. There will be no broken glasses in this episode. Huzzah! So, going on. So those, those interest, those familiars really, really interest me in the fact that, I mean, Melusine, forgive me if I misspell, misspeaking her name, I've only seen it written, um, but Melusine is freaking everywhere here in America, and she's also goes way, way, way back to the Merovingian family where that where she has get, been given her start as a familial spirit to warn them against danger and death. Um, even potentially even guiding them towards wealth and helping them avoid treachery. Only the Merovingians would know because they are deeply connected with her and probably to this day speak with her. Um, every day we speak with her for those of us who drop in at Starbucks. Hello. We're going to have a conversation about Melusine probably in another in another manner, in a different episode when we talk about egregores. But Melusine was also a familiar to this very powerful family and may still hold sway. I mean, has anybody seen how popular Starbucks is? Really? It's kind of hard to deny the power there. You know, she seems to be fulfilling all of the traits right there. Money, power, wealth, joy. It's all she really wanted for her children, right? There you are. Millazine, familiar, family familiar spirit. There's just one example of probably lots. Um, let's see here. Uh, there's the demon lover, of course, and then you've got your, oh, our favorite, our favorite, and this, this was like highly exhibited in the TV show Salem, all those familiar girls, yeah, remember that? Well, you know, there, there were stories about that, but there's, it's really not too far from the truth when we start working with like animal familiars in that kind of way. Um, you know, who, I don't know who here hasn't like pricked your finger and offered blood to, you know, a spirit that you're working with to get them going or to answer your call. Nothing, nothing. I promise you absolutely nothing draws your ancestors faster than bloodshed. You, you want your ancestors to come? Yep. Okay. Hey, grandma, I need some help. 
you know, I've accidentally cut myself on my grandmother's cards once. Yes, I, you know, paper cut, but it bled and bled and bled and bled and bled. And you bet my grandmother was like, oh my God, what happened? I was like, grandma, it's okay. It's just, it's fine. Right? Kind of funny, but true story. Now, those are the family sort of associations. And we were also, you know, discovering that the animals that, that we choose to call our familiars, I think they work on like several different levels that I don't proclaim to fully understand or have fully processed some of the experiences that I have had with that. Um, and I say that because I've had animal familiars that are not physically in the present being. They're not totems either. Um, they do have either a mythological equivalent in another dimension. That's kind of how I see that in, a, in an alternate dimension somewhere or, you know, out there in the wildlife, for example, I, um, most recently had, um, a shamanic journey where I found myself first in the, in, at, out at ocean and then in the desert. Um, but I was visited by a rattlesnake. I'm pretty sure I was the rattlesnake at one point in time. And then I pulled out and watched the whole thing. Um, but there's those kinds of familiars as well. They're still familiars. Um, the difference being is that a familiar is there to work with you, whereas a totem is there to remind you of a value and show you the path. Uh, that's sort of how I perceive it. I'm sure there are lots of other ways to perceive that. But what familiars are not, they're not slaves. All right. You know, they're they're not pets they're not there for your ego um they're what they are as individual spirit beings brought forth to you to be of service you are literally it's an energetic economy you are supplying energy and it is doing deeds for you. In some cases, these things are inherited upon initiation or at different crossroads of your life as things are changing and you are needing new and different support. Um, sometimes you are born into them because of your family. Um, sometimes you accidentally catch the familiar cuties and you don't even know about it. It's kind of funny when I see that happen. I love that. That's my favorite thing. I might one day have a confession to tell you about something, but we're, we'll talk about that later. Anyway, so, but yes, those animals that are housing are, are familiars or responding to the familiar spirit that's guiding it. Yeah, they're all very special and they should be treated with respect and love and compassion, just like you would show for yourself. Um, and just like your toddler, you don't let them run out into the street, right? Okay, it's kind of like a, you know, best 
stewardship parenting responsibility thing. Because you have to remember, they don't perceive the world the way that we do. They just don't. Especially if you're working with a being from fairy that's been... God, I don't even... I, I just... How do you even say that? I don't want to say like handed to you or given to you or or it's not even like an introduction. It's more like, you know, here's your friend, right? It's it's such a it's a difficult relationship to suss out, you know, because neither one of you are really in charge and it really is about mutual respect. And it's sort of like having a wild animal on a leash. But the leash is there for the everybody's safety, including the familiars. Does that make sense? So those are my thoughts on that. As, I don't know, maybe this was befuddling. I don't know, I'm sorry. Let me know how I did with that. But one of the things that you're going to find and you'll probably recognize this throughout however long your career witchcraft was, is that your familiars sometimes shift. They don't all, they don't abandon you, but some of them take stronger post. Or or in in some cases where they inhabit bodies, they pass. They pass from our lives. Um, and hopefully they have imbued to us all of the lessons that they had hoped to be of service to us with. So there, there, there's always a changing of the guard. Be open to it. Be curious. Don't judge yourself. For example, you know, if you get a snake, don't be afraid of it. Even if you don't necessarily like snakes, be curious about it. It's like, why did it show up? You know, or or sloth. Sloth should be the easy one. Everybody wants the sloth. It's like, yep, that's my totem. That's that's my familiar right there. We are going to do this slowly, right? But anyway, I am sure that as you go back through your career, you're going to notice that you have had several different familiars in your life. Those of us have had those in, you know, the animals that we have loved. We're familiar, but less so familiar with the energetic ones that pass in and out. And sometimes working with those are things that we do without consciously knowing that we're doing. We just like do do do. Oh, look at this little toy snake! It's so cute. I'm gonna put it on my altar. Oh, hmm. Maybe you've just been like hiding something from yourself for a while, but thinking that little toy snake is cute and it goes on the altar. Mm -mm, no, maybe that's something about that. Mm. Sounds like fodder for journeying to me. So, winter being the time that we're all wanting to be inside and warm and cozy is a really, really great time to do the deep dive. Oh, good Lord. So sorry. Um, um, speaking of familiar sounds. Um, 
wow. With winter coming through, we're all going to be spending some more time inside. Not like it hasn't been like winter for the last three years, right? Pandemic winter has been extended. Good. That means us witches can do some more deep dive and grow more powerful in our beings all by ourselves. Oh, shh. Was that a secret? Sorry. Shut. My bad. Anyway. So talk to your familiars, find out what they really need, because remember, this is a relationship. You're in a relationship with a familiar. They're not just here to like, you know, hand you the silver spoon. Though that would be nice. Just kidding. Just kidding. I hope that this has given you some food for thought. And I hope that you decide that you are going to go on a deep dive on familiars in general and specifically yours, because that's really what this is about. I hope that you have a nice, cozy, dark moon slash, well, it's going to be new moon soon. And I hope that all of this crazy that's going on is just serving as a really, really great way for you to establish what your values are, what your foundations are, where you are going. Take care of you, Odd. This episode has been brought to you by Serpentine and the number eight. All the cards. All the eights. On all the cards. Yes, just the eight. Okay. So starting with Serpentine, let's just review this one. I absolutely adore this stone. It is usually a green, sometimes a very, very bright green, sometimes a dark mottled green. There's a bit of translucency to it there. So you'll see in some of the more polished beads that some of them are translucent and you can see through them. Um, but the thing that really gives them away, even, even as they are polished, is you can see on the stone its inherent waxy look. It will you will always be able to detect it on the the stones that way. Now, serpentine is also on occasion referred to as new jade. Mm, I don't know. I kind of like serpentine better. It seems more appropriate for how the energy of this stone works and literally it it's not a straight path into you either it wends and winds through you as it works just going up the channels following wrapping around them just like they would on hermes staff if you would um and thus, of course, you know, the first thing that everybody thinks of 
with serpentine is indeed the deep healing that happens with this stone when you meditate with it and wear it and work with it on a regular basis. It is also a stone that will help you recover the wisdom of past lives without reopening the wounds and the traumas that came with those lessons. Those things can be accessed and re-implemented in a practical way without hurting yourself again. Don't have to do that. Even though this stone is labeled as a Gemini gem, I find it most potent in the winter months. While the snakes here are actually in hibernation, it's it's like it's like dreaming with the snakes, maybe kind of like the Aboriginal, the Australian Aboriginal idea of dream time. This is a good time to get in contact with that kind of energy. So this stone right here, it really, really is a deep dig healing stone. While, med- while meditating with it, it'll help you process what is unsettling you and it'll help put all of those things back into perspective. And it'll also put your hands right back on the wheel. You know, you'll feel better being able to take the take the wheel and move it as you work with the stone more frequent, frequent, frequently. Jesus, really? Okay, frequently. All right, so there's another side to serpentine that I want to talk about. I, I'm, I've never run across this superstition. I've never heard of it. I've never heard, run across anybody, but there, there's apparently this idea that there's a superstition that it's an unlucky stone because it's associated with the snakes. I, I think we can fathom where some of that may have been construed. I, I don't know. It's not my experience. It is definitely not an unlucky stone. Um, in fact, this particular stone repels negative energies and entities. It'll break jinxes and hexes. It'll repel psychic attacks. If somebody is malefically meaning you magical harm, this is definitely a stone you want to be working with and be familiar with. Oh, speaking of familiar, right? So... I personally, I personally love this stone for just for that purpose because I, I have had that experience and I'm sure a lot of you have had this experience where you just got this person out there who just means you harm for the sake of their own narrative and ego and you're just like, okay, you know what, I'm done, you're done, we're all done, you're right, you know what, you're right, you're right, I'm done, I'm done with you, poof, serpentine, right? So. I love this stone and and it does, it does remind me of the way a serpent would move, whether it's a viper or a constrictor or your garden variety friendly, you know, they, they all have a very similar motion that we call serpentine. Well, the stone moves that way too. It's serpentine. And in that spirit, I personally use this stone as the um, bone beads in my witch's ladder. So if you've, there are any Akatean um, readers out there and you've built your witch's ladder, that's kind of how I've done mine. I've, it's a little bit of a divergency. And, and we'll talk about divergencies in a 
different episode, but not this one. Um, but just to name some of my favorite pairings with serpentine, this stone pairs very well with moonstone and carnelian, um, especially jade. Um, it's um, serpentine is considered to be the substance before you find jade, I think, or it's got all of the properties of jade, just not congealed the way that jade is. I think that's where that idea may come from. Anyway, moving on. It's good with tiger eye and garnet. I also like it with um, red coral. Really, really striking energy when you when you pair it with something that potent. Um, but those are my favorite pairings. I hope that you are curious enough to go out there and e explore what works for you. But these are things that I have found that work for me. If they work for you, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Enjoy. And next, we're going to talk about eights on all of those cards and how it relates because serpentine is actually let's see here what it's the let's see here how did i say that that's in the hands okay that's about that's what eights are but there was something i read about serpentine um being protective and you know put it on the back of your hand back hand on the wheel and it being associated just energetically with the number eight and when we look at not the old tarot cards where you see the strength card as the 11 but the newer cards or or some of the alternate decks you'll see um the eight being the strength card and you'll see the lemniscot well same thing you know eight the lemniscots and as a cardomancer the thing that comes to my head when i think about eights is literally thoughts and skills and and you know things in the head right intellectual property your creativity your ability to put these thoughts into material form. How are you doing that? Those are all very eight energy things. And even as they go through the cardamancy um, suits of, of the hearts and the diamonds and the swords and the, uh, and the spades, you see the, the eights focus on different things and invoke different moods across that suit for example the eight of hearts is going to be very very different than the eight of spades but there's still thoughts in the head that manifest either loving things or very potent malicious things but it still originates from the thought in the head that's that's where the eight is and the fact that the serpentine stone is also associated not just with the heart chakra but also with the crown chakra having those both of those things in alignment with themselves and having them focused on not the maliciousness of the eight of spades but the the love and generosity being ex expressed in the eight of hearts or even the exhibition of 
you know, it on a universal level with the strength card with the woman on there acting as healer to all nature, right? You see it, healer to all right there. The Lemniscot's falling down into her, her hands extended out and she's pulling the thorn out of the lion's paw. You know, that you see that in a lot of the strength cards, even the ones that are dedicated under the name, under the numeral 11, right? Um, it's, it's an old, old image. And well, it's it's there for a reason. It's, it's an alchemical, uh, oh, good lords, alchemical reminder of what we're supposed to be an example of good stewardship. So I think that worth working with serpentine and eights for the next couple of weeks after everything everybody has been through because it's been quite a ride for everybody. It's a good thing because all of those things, being able to sort out those thoughts in your head, they'll lead you to your own sense of integrity, which is, I think, really the purpose of new jade to lead you to the jade where the integrity can be uh, applied to your life. So this episode has been brought to you by Serpentine and the number eights. All of them. Yes. Thank you for spending time at the House of Odd. I am Delia Oddly. I am your fairy witch mom. I hope this tiptoe into the familiar pool leads into a deep dive down that rabbit hole. I want all my witches to have good relations with all of their imps. You, of course, can reach me at somethingoddly at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments or experiences you would like to help me uh, to help unravel or just, you know, looking to talk about which in general. I'm there. You can also email me at somethingoddly at gmail.com if you are interested in having your cards read back to you. That offer still stands. You can also find me at Mrs. Oddly on Instagram, just in case you want to follow some random madnesses because it's like, it, it, that's really what it is, random madnesses. Um, I do hope that you have a delicious midnight out and dawn and that you and your imps are happy cozy and warm all winter long good night on to the witch cave <laughs>